welcome back to Grit Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters. Sounded like a broken record here, but another poor week for us in the Las Vegas Super Contest. After a one and four performance, we have fallen to 16, 23. And one good for something like two thousandth. I think our our good friend Five Kids All In tweeted at us. DP, how you feeling, kiddo? Fuck. <laughs> I'm just fucking annoyed. Stupid fucking contest and these stupid fucking NFL teams. Everything's just a fucking joke. These fucking coaches don't have no idea how to fucking call plays. They don't have any idea how to do anything on the football field. They don't know how to run game plans. They don't know when to go for it, when to kick field goals, when to do this, when to do that. Everything's a fucking disaster. You have fucking people dropping balls who we've depended on for years and years and years. You have people who can't catch passes. You have people who can't con- you know, convert fourth and ones, third and ones, anything. You have people getting down inside the fucking five-yard line. They can't do shit. They can't get in the fucking end zone. You have teams that are dominating all games, and then they just lose it in the last fucking two minutes. Everything is a fucking disaster in the NFL. Can't say it better myself. At least you did... And succeeded in the DraftKings Pizza Challenge last night. At least we got that. Yeah, that was that was that was actually fairly easy. Uh, the most the most underrated part of that entire challenge. So, so with the DraftKings Pizza Challenge, uh, Matt Kalish, uh, co-founder of DraftKings, put out a put out a I don't know a worldwide call that if anyone can eat a 14 inch cheese pizza, you can add toppings if you like in under 10 minutes. Uh, you have to videotape the whole thing. Uh, you have to show a timer throughout just to make sure you're not cheating. Uh, he will watch all the videos. He will uh, deem you a winner, and he will then award you with five uh, DraftKings Fantasy Millionaire, sorry, Fantasy Millionaire Maker tickets. Uh, so five twenty dollars tickets. Now I have a chance to, as long as he approves it. Today is the last day of entry, so I did it last night. Um, as long as he approves it, I will have five twenty dollars tickets. Um, I, I would like to give some portions away to fans of the podcast. That was my whole goal with all of this. So if approved, uh, be on the lookout for that through our social media. And hopefully I go on to win a million dollars and win a bunch of money for a bunch of people that listen to the show. Nice. And you were you were sporting the green, the new green Gridiron Gamble shirt. I was sporting the new green Gridiron Gamble t-shirt. Uh, we will be working on some giveaways uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah. So. It's good times here, so minus least, the one and four fucking week that we had. At least one positive thing happened. We'll get to the bitching and complaining and looking at the games in a second. But before we get to that, I thought we'd talk about something that is very interesting. And you being a Patriots fan, I think it's appropriate for you to talk about it and give your thoughts. Is the trade yesterday between the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. Today, we we're recording this on Tuesday morning, is the trade deadline in the NFL, we saw two trades yesterday. Dwayne Brown was sent to Seattle in exchange for future draft picks and cornerback Jeremy Lane. And, of course, this trade, uh, a second-round pick from the Niners. Uh, I believe it was their own. They also have the Bears' second-round pick thanks to the Trubisky trade during this year's draft. So a second-round pick from San Francisco to New England for Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners also cut Brian Hoyer, and it seems like he will sign with the Patriots for less than his current contract. They needed to do some 
cap gymnastics. They couldn't just trade him to New England. So your thoughts, DP? You've got a 40-year-old quarterback. It seemed like Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the future. They were grooming him to be that in limited action last year before spraining his shoulder. He looked awesome, went into Arizona, won the game, and now all of a sudden they pivot, and it seems like they didn't get a player, right? They didn't get a veteran player in return, so it's not like they're all in for this year. They've got assets for the future, but they're sticking with Brady for now, even though he's 40. <laughs> Give us your thoughts on, on this whole transaction from a Pats fan standpoint. So I could I could talk about this deal, this entire process with the whole Brady Garoppolo thing for hours, probably. Um, try and keep it short here, <laughs> at least as short as I can. Honestly, I, I don't really know what happened, how this played out. I'm just kind of confused because, you know, there was a lot of reports in the offseason, uh, especially leading up and throughout the draft, that the Cleveland Browns were very much interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, First round picks were involved, you know, supposedly that's what was reported by both sides. Um, also by national media, like, you know, Adam Schefter, who, who I believe has, you know, basically a direct line to the highest level, you know, in the Patriots outfit is as high as you can go. Not that he, you know, picks up the phone and calls Bill Belichick, but I think that he has a very close line. Uh, and if you follow Adam Schefter's track record over the years, he is right on Patriots things much more often than not. I mean, it's, probably up there in the high nineties in terms of percentage uh, being right with his takes. You know um, I, I think that Adam Schefter's credibility speaks a lot to this. So when he's coming out saying that, uh, you know, the Patriots aren't trading Garoppolo, this was in lead up to the season for anything, you know, whether that's one, two, three, four, five first round picks, I forget how many he named, uh, you know, just to, to exaggerate his point. Um, I, I mean, I think that that's a really good thing to, to go by. Um, and then, you know, coming out of the draft, the Patriots didn't trade him. They kept him. Um, I was always of the opinion that I believe that the Patriots believe Jimmy Garoppolo was the next guy. I think that they've had him in camp for long enough. I also think that they saw what they saw in the few games that he did play in the regular season, and they liked what they saw. And when you get someone that's in that system that you've been grooming, um, you see much more things than we all see from the outside. Um, and I don't think that there's anyone – that you can trust better in terms of the football mind than Bill Belichick. So if he's keeping you around uh, and he's likely sees something in you as the next guy, you're probably the next guy. So all signs to me pointed that, okay, they see Jimmy Garoppolo as the next guy. They haven't traded him coming into the season, despite high offers, whatever those offers may be. So they're going to try somehow to work it out, whether that's franchise Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the season, make Brady take less money, whether that's work out some sort of two-year deal to bridge the gap where Jimmy Garoppolo takes something like $12 million per to still sit behind Brady. I don't know. I just kind of figured that they would work it out maybe. And I didn't rule out the in the realm of possibilities that, that Brady would retire after this year. Maybe he would. You know, Maybe everything where he's like, I'm going to play till 45, I'm going to play five more years. That's just what he has to say, him posturing to the media. You know, He's not going to, I don't think that Brady's someone that's going to just put on a front and say, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see what happens. I think that he's always just going to kind of tell a little fib, 
um, just to keep things going. And honestly, he might believe that at the time and things might change coming the end of the season. I mean, football seasons are a long season. The guy is 40 years old. Uh, he's already been banged up this year, so he might decide to call it quits. Then you have the reports last year of of his wife Giselle telling him that you know maybe he should he should hang it up and, and he should look to retire. So maybe he would do that. You know they they retool this year. They go out and not that it's worked out, but they they beef up the defense with Stephen Gilmore. They go out and they get Brandon Cooks. Um, you know they put some pieces in place to sort of give it that last run for Brady, but also make it easier for Jimmy Garoppolo to transition in. I think that that sign looked like, okay, you know, we're going to be going with Jimmy here in the future uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but now trading him midseason, I don't understand it. The return, Rich, like you mentioned, they didn't get a player back, so I don't really know what they're doing because now you don't have that quarterback of the future that's waiting in the wings. You have a 40-year-old quarterback sitting there who yes he may be able to play for two or three more years but is this second round pick that you got if you keep the pick and make it is he going to be around to help the next guy or are you going to be drafting the next guy with that second round pick at quarterback and is is he going to be is that next guy that you then draft is he going to be ready in two or three years by the time brady's leaving i mean i i got a lot of questions right now i don't have many answers I really have no idea what the heck is going on here, but I guess they're all in on Brady right now, I guess. Of all the things you said, the thing that stands out the most to me is that you gave credit to to Belichick when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position, but is Bill Belichick a good quarterback evaluator? Is that a skill? Good, good question. That he has shown at all in his career? It's it the, the he is goat and I I think it's by far from a strategic, a game planning, uh, from a pivoting perspective, I think it's clear that he is the, the greatest coach of all time. But here's a list of quarterbacks that Bill Belichick has drafted since Tom Brady, who was a sixth-round dart throw. He wasn't like somebody that they took high and had high expectations for. He was just one of those spray-and-pray, get-him-on-the-roster kind of transactions. We've got Rohan Davey, Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Castle, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Robinson, Ryan Mallett, and then, of course, in the 2014 and 2016, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. So nothing about that draft history inspires quarterback whisperer for me. Well, two things I'll say about that. One is that... All reports, anyone that, you know, did any sort of accounting when the whole transition to Brady happened, granted it was because largely because of the injury by your New York fighting Jets, Rich. Um, everything said that Bill Belichick wanted to go to Brady much sooner, but he couldn't because at the time, uh, Drew Bledsoe was the highest quarterback in the game. Uh, he was, you know, tenured as, as the QB there. He was a very high draft pick. Every, everything is like, you know, you can't just take Bledsoe out and put this six-round draft pick in. Um, but, uh, you know, and obviously there this could be just revisionist history. This could be just looking back. Um, but I think a lot of credible people stand by the fact that, that Belichick really liked Brady and he would have went to him sooner if he could have. Um, and then I will also say that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, if he did look like all signs to be the next guy, uh, you know, Bilitech's never drafted a quarterback that high. And he did, he went and got Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round because he must have saw something. And it, it seemed like what he saw coming into the draft 
was correct because in the limited time that Jimmy played and the fact that they kept him around for so long, you know, as that quote unquote heir apparent to Brady, that then he, you know, he was going to be the next guy. And he did look really good in those games that he played until he got injured uh, last year. So maybe he is a good QB talent evaluator and he just hasn't necessarily exercised the that side of things because when you have someone like Tom Brady who is so good at doing what he does and fits the system so well, then why do you need to worry about drafting quarterbacks really high and going out there when you can just kind of get somebody who's a backup, put them in there, make sure they know the playbook enough and and get by that way. It's an interesting gamble from the Niners as well because you you don't think a second-round pick is valuable, but it is extremely valuable, especially when it's going to be pretty much a late first. It's going to be in the 35, 36, 37 Okay, range. so what are the Patriots going to do with that pick? Because they never take those picks. What do you they'll mean? They'll trade it for two thirds and a fourth. Yeah, exactly. And they'll acquire as much talent as possible, or they'll flip it again. But it's a valuable asset in the league. And it's the apex of value for Jimmy Garoppolo because unlike a quarterback on their rookie deal, Garoppolo is an undrafted free agent after the year. And in a world where the Mike Glennons of the world are getting close to $20 million a season just for having a warm body, you're going to have to allocate like 12% of your salary cap to a guy who's made what two starts in the NFL, a handful of starts on the best team in the league so it's really hard to evaluate him with average players around him or even bad players around him. So uh, one of the takes that I've seen out there that I don't like is, oh, this is a great trade for the Niners because Jimmy G's somewhat of a known commodity and it's only a second round draft pick. But the difference between throwing a dart at a quarterback in the early second round and trading for somebody like Garoppolo is the salary. Because if you draft a quarterback in the early second round, for the first four years there in the NFL, you're paying them nothing. You're paying them like $2 million to be on the roster, which is peanuts. And if you hit on that quarterback, like the Seahawks, they hit on Russell Wilson, and they basically had a great quarterback for free. So they could build the entire team around him, allocate salary elsewhere, and they were able to bolster their defense and they crushed because they weren't paying their quarterback anything. But when you have to give 12, 13, 14% of your salary to the quarterback, and then they're mediocre, then you get this Baltimore Ravens team where Joe Flacco is, he's, he's okay, but they don't have any money to spend elsewhere, so the rest of the team is just really bad. So I like the gamble because the Niners have an extra second rounder from Chicago, which might be better than their own, but it's still a huge risk because they have to pay the guy. They have to give him like 15, 16, 17 million per year. And I don't even know if that's going to be enough. Well, Rich, uh, you know, we have more breaking news right now. Okay. Jay Ajahi just got traded. What? Jay Ajahi traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth round pick. Wow. Just happened right now. It's 6.27 a.m. on the West Coast while we are on the show recording the Great Iron Gamble podcast. Okay, so let's... let's, let's, let's. <laughs> I was so, yeah. So much for that recap pod, huh? Yeah. We suck. The 
blocked field. Let's let's just do a quick recap. The blocked field goal against Washington and Dallas was the most underrated Moose moment of the weekend because yeah, it was only a ten point swing. But this is what I was trying to explain to Mo is that that game that I don't believe in momentum, but the way that that game played out after that is so different because of that blocked field goal and subsequent touchdown by the Cowboys because their entire style of football, the entire way that they want to play football is to get a lead and then run the ball. And that allowed them to do that. That allowed them to rest their laurels on Zeke Elliott and allow Dak Prescott to throw short intermediate passes. So that game was totally different because of that blocked field goal. I understand they lost by way more than 10 points and that was only a 10 point swing. But that was so huge in terms of game flow and the way that those two, those two teams carried themselves throughout the second half. And that was devastating. More, more devastating than my boy Goat Curly dropping a punt. What, uh, what was your most painful part of the weekend? I mean, my most painful part of the weekend, I think, was... I mean, it, it involves... Jeremy Curley dropping the punt, but just that entire Jets-Falcons game um, because the Jets were dominating for 90% of it. The Falcons sucked. Like, we th- all thought that they were going to suck. You know, one, coming into the season, a lot of us were on the fact that the Falcons are not going to improve and come back from that that horrible Super Bowl loss that they blew. Um, they've blown a ton of games this season. They almost lost the opener to the Bears that the Bears could catch a damn touchdown pass um, on four attempts, you know, with nine seconds left or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, just the Falcons, they're fumbling three snaps. They're losing two of them. Matt Ryan just looks like a clown. The offense is all over the place. The defense can't even stop Cade. Like, everything. It was it was great. I mean, we we called it. We we were super happy that the Jets were, were big home underdogs. They were bigger home underdogs when the game closed on Sunday. Um, we got them at four and a half in the super contest. They went up to five and a half and six in some places, which is just crazy. Um, if you got those numbers, great. Cause you would have covered, uh, we didn't. Um, but the whole game, they were in control, you know, the Falcons just couldn't get it together. And then a few costly mistakes by the jets, um, a few ill-timed play calls that didn't allow them to gain the first downs that they needed, uh, really caused them to, to lose that game. And just the whole thing, you know, when you're, when you just feel like, you know, you're confident the whole game, you're on the right side, you're like, this is exactly kind of how we thought it was going to play out. Yep, this is working, this is working. What the fuck is happening? Oh my God, now they're not going to cover. That That general feeling about this all is just fucking maddening. Mo's not here, so I will make this point for him. Classic middle by a loom. Absolute masterclass middle by a loom. They fire the minus four and a half with Atlanta. They drive the lineup. Then they grab the plus six for the Jets. They get Jeremy Curley. I don't know if he was a card carrying member, but they sure as hell printed out a card for him before the rain soaked game kicked off in the Meadowlands. This whole thing was so fishy that it landed right on five. I am putting my tinfoil hat on. I am strapping my chin strap. Tight as can be. DP, it really landed on five. It really landed on five. Yeah, it landed on five. 
Like I mean, the whole, yeah, it's just that's a thing. That thing you got, you got Canton Zaro missing fucking field goals. I mean, first of all, that guy should be fucking cut. He's a disaster. He's been a disaster all fucking season. He couldn't. You guys kick, can't get a better kicker than that guy. He's a joke. He couldn't kick in a damn dome for Arizona. He's so bad. Get that guy. That guy should not be kicking footballs. I don't understand why these these kickers or these quarterbacks or whoever the hell they are, these coaches especially, they just all kind of just trade teams and circulate around. Like like everyone's just worried about actually cutting someone. And then when you have someone like Tal or like Colin Kaepernick who has actual talent, you know, that everyone's just blackballing the guy, and not giving him a job. Like it's just it's the whole thing is just a fucking joke. Those those two games were the absolute worst. I didn't get to watch the Detroit and Pittsburgh oh, game. Oh, um, oh, well, that game, fuck. But, but uh, I mean, it was, it was. I was kind of following along in the Skype chat, and I just, I saw Mo said that you know the Lions got the ball back at the end. I believe they were down five, um, and he's like, they're gonna. He's like, we can't have them drive inside the ten or inside the five. <laughs> and what did they do? They drove inside the ten or the five, and then they just fizzled out. Yeah, this is when uh, Lions were down eight, and. Six trips to the red zone in this game for Detroit. Zero. Six? Zero touchdowns. Oh, my God. What in the fuck? Five field goals. And the one time that they smartened up and they decided to go for it, which I would have liked them to have been more aggressive throughout the game, the one time they go for it, they have obviously failed to convert on a fourth and goal from the two next play the Steelers get a yard I believe and then next play is a 97 yard touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster so I mean I the Lions this was what was mind-boggling about the Lions performance is they have Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah who granted are not bangers they're not probably what you would expect from goal line running backs guys that can get between the tackles fight for yards push the pile get into the end zone. But we the Chargers gave us the 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 game the script a couple years ago with Danny Woodhead. Like you can use smaller backs in the red zone if you just spread the ball out. We see it in college all the time too. If you spread the ball out, you create running lanes because you don't make it as crowded. And the Detroit Lions The Patriots do that all the time. Pats do it all the time with, with you know, back Deion. up and shotgun, put three or four wide receivers wide, and then the defense doesn't know what the fuck to do. Exactly. And instead of doing this, they bring on their power runner, Dwayne Washington, who just runs into the line of scrimmage and falls down. And you would think by the sixth the fifth or sixth time they got into the red zone, they would smarten up and try something different, but they did not. And they couldn't find the end zone. And just. I don't know why these teams get away from their identity. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but that to me sounds like they got away from their identity. What The Lions are what? They're a high-powered passing offense. You know, they just throw the fucking ball everywhere. So then why are you just switching that up when you get into the red zone? Just keep throwing it. That's what you guys do. Yeah, and they're most efficient when Riddick, probably Riddick is on the field, much like Chris Thompson in Washington. And Amir Abdullah is by far the best true running back on the team so i i just don't know i i that game was so i I guess i was just beaten and battered we were already one and three at the point at this point so the lions game didn't hurt as much i almost expected it to go that bad but if that was like the first game of the week then that probably would have been the most painful (laughs) for me 
Yeah, I mean, it's just brutal. What are we, we going to do? I mean, Texans, they needed 500 yards of total offense to cover. Like, they needed to go into CenturyLink and get 500 yards. Like, what? What? Nothing makes sense, man. Nothing makes sense. And then Panthers, that was a slam dunk. Yeah, that game went as expected. Good pick by Mo. We were all on it, so... That was that was the week. But let's let, the, the trades are more fun. So Ajayi to the Eagles for a fourth rounder. I I feel like you like Ajayi, but you don't like the Dolphins. What what are your feelings on this on this trade, DB? Uh, I like. I think Ajayi's a bit of a clown um, as a person, uh, like his personality. Who talks um, more shit? Huh? But him and Jarvis Landry is. Are there any humans on the planet that talk more shit than those two individuals? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that talk a lot of shit, but it's, they definitely talk every, a lot of shit. The, th- it's the thing every with play with those guys. Yeah, I mean, the thing with with Jarvis Landry though is he seems to back it up at least. I mean, he's he's a fucking gamer. Like he's out there. He he catches the ball over the middle, and you don't see many people do that in today's NFL. He takes a really big pounding hits. You know, even when he gets hit. He's still always fighting for extra yards, you know, so the performance level is kind of always there for him. Where like Ajahi, he's talking shit on when he's running for negative one. It's like, dude, shut up, man. What are you doing? So now he goes to Philadelphia, a team that gave LeGarrette Blunt a tiny contract that drafted Wendell Smallwood. This is a good fit, I think. Blount does a good job when you're in positive script and you just need a hammer. But Ajayi is way more versatile. He's basically Wendell Smallwood on steroids. He's a little smaller, but he's obviously very powerful. He's good out of the backfield. And unlike Blount, you can use him in multiple situations where Blount is like... He did catch a touchdown pass earlier this year, which was mind-boggling. But for the most part, he's a, a one-trick pony. So the Eagles, they're all in on this year. And in addition to that, Ajayi has one more year of his rookie deal, so they're going to have him next year for cheap as well. This trade is a bit surprising to me. I'm just, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know what the hell Miami's doing. But, I, I mean, mean, I can get it from the Eagles side, you know, but... I mean, Miami's trading a running back for a fourth rounder. You know, it's like it's a non-valuable position and they're getting some value out of it. They have no chance to do anything this year. I feel like, you know, Miami also just recognized the fact that uh, Ajahi's just too much of a headache to deal with. I mean, what they left him home on a road game last year. Uh, didn't they, weren't they going to do that again this year or something? I mean, he just, he seems like he's just somebody who's who's a bit of a mess who's a bit of a headache to deal with overall so they were just like you know what let's get the best we can for him and and move on i'm also seeing this uh this is from jeff darlington he's in the pocket of the miami dolphins a little bit uh but this just came across he said something to keep in mind about the ajayi trade dolphins don't believe he has much left in his knees longer term play and that's fair because he did have knee issues when he was at Boise State, and that was one of the reasons why he fell in the draft. So, Eagles, I mean, the Eagles might just be looking for short-term value, too. Like, they're they're a 7-1 team trying to win the Super Bowl this year, so they might be okay with just sending a fourth and getting a guy like Ajayi 
playing a season or two seasons and hopefully winning a championship. Yeah, I don't think you can blame the Eagles for trying to capitalize on this window. I think it's good recognition on their behalf. Um, you know, just because, you know, there's a ton of parity in the NFL and things can change so much year to year. Um, just the fact that, okay, they're they're riding hot right now. You know, Aaron Rodgers is out over in the NFC. Uh, the, the door is wide open in that conference to, to make a run to the Super Bowl. You know, and then if you do get there, I mean, the AFC isn't exactly that good all around. There's not that one team or two teams that are, you know, just head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, so I think that the Eagles are correct in doing so. And if they do have a short window, fine. I mean, most running backs do have a short window in terms of, of the, the prime of their career. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But but I, I like the move, move. I think it's for them, for the Eagles, I think it's an upgrade over LeGarrette Blunt in terms of having that all-around back, a more versatile back. Um, and somebody who runs hard all the time, I think that Ajahi has the talent. I think that the talent is still there. You know, this isn't someone like in Adrian Peterson where, you know, his talented years, his best years are, you know, five or six years years behind us. Um, I think that Ajahi is still very much able to, to improve. Uh, you know, the only thing I guess I would question is that, that Jason Peters injury, uh, you know, maybe – I would have tried to fill that in before I worry about a running back. What's well, uh, so, so sick about the Dwayne Brown trade yesterday is I'm sure that the Eagles were one of the suitors in the, in the, in that, and they were competing against the fellow NFC team, trying to get ready for a playoff push. The NFL trades are a thing now. Like this is fun. This is fun. I was just thinking, you know, I'm just my I got my timeline up and it's just it's just buzzing right now. But if these similar sort of trades were to happen in the NBA, the world would be melting. But for whatever reason, people don't get that much involved in the NFL trades. I mean, probably because they don't happen as often. And you net players also in the NFL, they never seem to get as much value as you think that they should get. And whenever you hear a player is possibly on the trade block in the NFL, that usually means within a few days or a few hours, they will just be cut <laughs> because you can never really get full value because it's such a doggy dog league. And there's always that next man up mentality. And just these guys are just, they just, they just beaten and battered all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think getting a fourth rounder for for a Jahi, good for them. This also opens the door if the Dolphins are kind of giving up on the season and looking towards the future. One would think that Jarvis Landry could be traded today. This is his last season under contract for the Dolphins. Doesn't seem like they're interested in paying him what he thinks he deserves. I mean he's not really the type of receiver that you want to give that 12 to $15 million contract to. So I, think, I mean, Devontae Parker's the, he's the future receiver there, right? Yeah. Devontae can go up and, and get the ball. Jarvis can run a drag route and get you a couple extra yards, which whatever, like that's not, that's not really a hard skill to have. You just need to be quick. And your athleticism in that regard goes faster than things like height and jumping ability. Uh, so, I think we could see Jarvis move as well and for much cheaper than a fourth round pick because he might be gone anyway. So any added value that they can get would be worthwhile. Can the Dolphins, can the, uh, can the Patriots fit him in? He's only, he's only 893 K cap it. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Oh my God. I would, I would pants would be off for Jarvis Landry in new England. I mean, they, he would, he would be the Edelman that they now don't have. Would he not? I mean, he's he's the guy who would run those short, quick routes, 
just get open over the middle. Just take a fucking pounding. Probably be CTE nine times out of ten, uh, or nine or ten times uh, a year. I mean, but he would be that guy. I just I'm not sure if they would make that move right now. Um, just I feel like they're just they're more worried about possibly trying to find someone if they do find someone uh, today to to help on their defense as opposed to their offense. I mean, I think the offense has been fine, um, relatively speaking. You know, granted the injuries. Now you have. I mean, but maybe things get changed. Uh, just, you know, now you have Chris Hogan likely out for a couple of weeks with that shoulder injury. Uh, doesn't need surgery, but he's going to be out. So so who knows? I would love to see Jarvis Landry uh, come up to New England. I think that, that would be a great fit. I think that that guy is just a gamer of all kinds of, of you know, ability. And uh, he brings a lot to the table. I just, I don't know if Miami would part to somebody else in the division. I mean, is Miami going to pull another Wes Welker move and, and give the Patriots a, a really good receiver? Is that going to happen? That would be awesome. I would love it. According to spot track, the Pats have 5.3 million in cap space. So it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. How about a little North in Florida? How about the Jags? Isn't that a good, that would be a good landing spot for Landry. Their receiving core is basically Marquise Lee and well, Alan Hearns a little loved him, but they're they're just a Kanye shrug at the receiver position. I mean, they are a Kanye shrug at the receiver position. I think, I mean, I think you would agree. The Jaguars need to worry about getting a fucking quarterback and not not really worry about anything else. I feel like the Jaguars could just stand pat everywhere else in the field and just get a better quarterback there, and they could make a serious run at things in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is pretty much wide open. That division is definitely wide open. And they're just waiting for someone to come through and just do the damn thing at quarterback. And I'm, you know, we don't need a paid man in the Tom Brady to, to come in there for a Jacksonville, uh, but just somebody with a pulse that can not throw the, you know, horrifying backbreaker pick sixes and cost them games every single year. Like Blake Bortles does just somebody with a clue, get them in there, you know, have them work with that offense, have them just, control the game, focus on the running with Leonard Fournette and and win the games with defense. And we've seen teams go on to win championships using that formula before. And I think that it could very much happen. But when you have Blake Bortles, I just don't think that you're going anywhere. If only there was a quarterback available on the market that could just step in right now and make a difference for the Jaguars. Listen, you talked about it last week in, in uh, Four Downs over on GridironGamble.com. You said that exact thing, and that's alluding to uh, Mr. Colin Kaepernick. So the only thing that I would say with Colin Kaepernick in this regard is, or maybe the question that I would raise to you is, is he too high risk? In terms of, I'm, I'm talking about his playing ability only. Because he does run around a lot. He does throw some rather... He had the best crazy ball. So had, do you do you want to go from Blake Bortles to that, or do you want to go from Blake Bortles to more of like a game manager type, a safe person? He had the best touchdown and interception ratio in the league last year. Listen, I, I know I'm just saying if you if you and I think that the if you look at the stats, they're one thing, because I agree, Rich. Um the stats do say, you know, he is fairly safe. But if you watch him play. He just looks erratic. You know, he's running around all over the field. He's making crazy throws. And like when you see Carson Wentz, I mean, Carson Wentz hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions this year. But if you actually watch Carson Wentz play, you're like, there's no way this is sustainable. Like, there's just no way. He's throwing when there's three guys tackling him to the ground. There's just no way this is happening. I think it has something to do with him being so gangly and athletic. When you get all those limbs moving like that in motion, things can get a little weird. But I don't know. I, 
I, I certainly would trust Cap with the ball more than Bortles. And yeah, four and three, wide open AFC South, wide open AFC. I don't know. I, I, I wish the, the Jags would nut up and try to go for it. I'm their defense is great, but it's not like it's getting any younger. Some of their best players, at least that are performing right now outside of Jalen Ramsey, are veterans. Like they need to try to win right now. So a lot of people have been pointing to a possible Eli Manning trade, but I think that's poppycock. I don't think the Giants would get rid of him. Nor do I. Nor do I even think it's a massive upgrade over Portals. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, yeah, Eli plays every single week. He's got that crazy streak of like nearly three hundred games when he's he's played and started or whatever it is. But I mean, he's getting older too. He's not exactly the old Eli Manning that he's always been that that won him two Super Bowls, you know. So and and Eli certainly has those those Blake Bortles esque moments when he's just throwing the total head scratch, and you're like, what in the world was that, man? Yeah, people are trying to draw the Tom Coughlin line to Eli because he is now the uh I think he's executive in charge for the Jaguars or president of football operations but I I just don't see a trade like that happening but I I don't think this this will be the last trade of the day so I will keep my eyes peeled on my Twitter timeline before we get out of here we like to take a look at next week's lines which you guys might be in full fade mode right now Whenever we give you any nibbles, any bits of information, and uh, I don't, uh, I'm not going to discourage it. Let me just put it that way. At this, at this juncture, might be a good thing to fade us and our thinking. So I've pulled up Pinnacle DP. Hope you've done the same. Or I like, I know you like to look at the Westgate because that's where the Super Contest is held. Wherever you do your process is fine. But are there any lines on your first glance? this week that interests you going into week nine uh yeah i'm kind of interested uh, i do look at the westgate uh, super contest lines uh, or the westgate lines in general um rich like you mentioned i just like to try and gauge where the super contest is going to land keep it all as on brand as possible uh here uh, so i want to like the new orleans saints a lot i think that i mean listen they got to eat a lot of points um right now they're minus seven against tampa bay but Tampa Bay looks really friggin' bad. Um, they look even worse when they go on the road. I'm not really sure what to think of James Winston anymore. And I think that the Saints look pretty good. And I think that it it plays into our favor that the Saints didn't blow doors last week against the Bears. They only won by eight. Um, so this line could be shaded a little bit lower than it might have been had you know the Saints won by 30, like we kind of all expected them to. Um, so... So yeah, I kind of like. I mean, it's a lot of points. It's a big favorite, but I I really like, kind of like the Saints. I think this this line is, is shorter uh, than it should be. And but you know, we'll see. It's it's only Monday right, or it's Tuesday right now. So we'll see. You know, Wednesday afternoon where the line settles for the Super Contest and and if it's a little bit higher or maybe it's a little bit lower. I don't know. But I, but I like that one initially. Uh, and then also uh, Houston minus twelve and a half. Uh, I know you and I briefly talked about this in the office yesterday while we were working. I just, man, I mean, I know they're playing the Colts and the Colts have burned us really, really frigging bad twice this year, but 12 and a half points, man, joke. that's a lot of fucking points. It's a joke. That's what it is. It's a, it's an absolute joke. When I did my process, I always write the line that I think Vegas is going to hang, not what I capped the game at. And I gave the old... 
insurance. I gave the old, this is the Colts, the public hates the Colts, give it a couple extra points. And I put eight, right? And I thought that was heavy. And then they just go ahead and hang this massive line in this game. The The Texans defense could not have looked worse in CenturyLink. And if it's one thing the Colts have shown that they can do with something brisket, who, let's be honest, he might be the best quarterback Belichick's drafted since Brady. I don't think it's out of the question that brisket is better than Garoppolo. They can score. So 13 is, is an absolute joke. Uh, really quick, back on the Saints. You're not afraid of rule of Mo here? You're, you're betting on one of the teams that looked the absolute worst last week. Wait, what, wait, what do you mean? Betting against, sorry, one of the teams that looked... Yeah, but, but, but like I said, I don't think that the Saints looked too good. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I'm betting against a team that looked really good. I think that there's a little bit of merit in the fact that the Saints didn't look good. So I fully understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm betting, uh, you know, against the team in the Buccaneers that looked as horrible as possible. What did they score? Three points last week. Um, yeah, but the, the Saints didn't look, you know, like the Saints that a lot of us expected them to look like, especially against the Bears on the road, who have been a totally different team than the Bears at home. Um, and, you know, just New Orleans always in the Superdome. They always seem to just somehow put up 35-plus points, you know, throw for 400 yards, be all over the field, look like that Saints offensive old. That is when they're at home. Um, I mean, and another thing to look at here is is monitor those uh, those injuries to Tampa Bay's defense. I mean, they were a shell of themselves last week. Uh, they had, what was it, McLean was out and Grimes were out uh, for, for cornerbacks for them. Um, if those same injuries happen again, um, against a little bit more of a, a competent offense in New Orleans, especially at home. I think that the the Saints have a huge opportunity here to put up a ton of points. And if they do put up a ton of points with the way that their defense has been playing better than it ever has in years in recent years, you know, that their defense has always been considered a sieve. Uh, I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to be able to do much in terms of putting up points to stay with them. I mean, Jameis Winston doesn't look good. The offense doesn't look good. I don't think the play calling is good for the Buccaneers right now. So, so yeah, I mean, I may be betting against a team that looked as horrible as possible last week in Tampa Bay, but I don't think that I'm going with a team that looked too good that I should be overrating them in the Saints. Another bit of breaking news. A player has been suspended in the NFL. Goat Curly. Goat Curly. What? what did he do? Did they suspend him for dropping that fucking touch, that punt return? Because they should. No details yet, but Goat Curly is going to be or has been suspended by the National Football League. Sounds well. It's either PED related or behavior related, usually in that situation. So, another interesting development in the NFL. One line I wanted to get your opinion on is this Monday night line. Packers coming Wait, off the hell is this line? Packers coming off the bye. Brett Hundley in his first start was a home dog to the Saints, but now he is a home dog to the Lions, who have I think it's fair to say successfully regressed back to the mean after last year. Back to the Lions, and the Lions are two and a half point favorites on the road. And although it's early, eighty three percent of the bets are on Detroit. Well, that's just fucking stupid. What the what? <laughs> I mean, I'm not backing Detroit really at all, let alone as road favorites. I mean, they're, they've are they clearly shown that they are nothing but the same old fucking Detroit Lions. Every single year, 
every year the Detroit Lions are the pick that everyone gets excited about. This is the year for the Lions. This is the year for the Lions. This is, you know, yeah, the offense looks great. They got a little bit better on defense. You know, Stafford's got more experience. He's going to be safer. He's not going to be doing his old same crap. Like every single year. And then they start out all right. They look good in a couple games. And then they just totally fucking shit themselves and look like the Detroit Lions that they always are. Yeah. Regressing back to the mean. It's and now they got to go. They got to go to Lambeau Field. Granted, it is Brett Hundley, but still, they got to go to Lambeau Field against a team who's coming off a bye week. Get out of here. Yep, Packers off a bye. Everybody's a little healthier. Everybody's got a little bit of taste of revenge in their mouth after losing to the Saints. This is the line if the game is on a neutral field, isn't it? Probably, yeah. I mean, you know, Lions minus three. Minus two and a half, minus three, right, right in that area. Yeah, this feels like it should be a pick for sure at Lambo. That is, yeah, at Lambo, which is one of the tougher places to play. You know, you got it. You got a, a dome team. Yeah, granted, you know the Lions are up there in that area of the U.S., but they play in a dome. Now they got to go outside to Lambo Field. Yeah, no, not not happening, man. <laughs> Another game that you brought up yesterday at the office that I just want to touch on, touch upon briefly before we bounce is this NFC South tilt between the Falcons and the Panthers. The Panthers are home, and they're laying two points. Right now, the public is 50-50, and you said this is a classic Panthers letdown, look like world beaters, and then they shit the bed. And a on the other side of the ball, classic Falcons, just when they look their worst, they, they lose three in a row to the AFC East, and then they try to make it four in a row but they ex- they escape the Meadowlands with a win. This is when they come out and look like gangbusters, right? Yeah, so a couple of things with this line. One, you have a team in the Falcons who, you know, stock is very low on them. Yes, they did get a win, but God, that was an ugly win last week. And they've, you know, if you've looked at them over the past three or four weeks, the Falcons have looked really friggin' bad. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Rich, you know, Carolina's coming off a, a dominating performance against the Buccaneers. And Carolina's just that team every single week. It's like you just do the opposite of what they did last week. They just go up and down, up and down, up and down. It's like last week they played good. Okay, this week they're going to play really bad. This week they played bad. Okay, next week they're going to play really good. And then also this line, Rich, you mentioned it was minus two. Westgate has it at minus two and a half right now. Um, whenever a book hangs two and a half. I mean, it just tells me that they're begging you to take the favorite. You know, they want you to be like, Oh yeah, I took them. They only have to win by a field goal. That smells a little bit to me. Um, especially when you have the two situations that I just outlined with Atlanta stock being low and Carolina stock being high. So it smells like this is a pick that you have to make on the Falcons and you just have to hope that they get their shit together and Cam Newton decides to turn into a pumpkin like he tends to do after a big win and just totally suck. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this game, so I like it. Very, very. I'm also interested. Uh, I don't, we don't need to discuss it. I want to see how the Dolphins Raiders line moves post a giant news. Pinnacle has not removed the game from the offerings so it doesn't seem like they're too concerned by the ajayi trade but i assume that that line is going to move in the direction of oakland which means there might be a little bit of value on miami there might even be a middle situation here because it's two and a half right now i i would not hate laying the two and a half right now with oakland and then taking dolphins plus three and a half or plus four 
and hoping it lands on three. So if you guys are looking for Westgate has it at three right now. If you guys are looking for a middle opportunity and wherever you bet has it short of a field goal right now, this might be your opportunity to do so. I'm a little bit uh, interested in this Arizona and San Francisco line as well. Uh, Arizona on the road, minus one and a half. Yeah, every fiber in my body wants me to like the Niners, but they are so bad. And the Cardinals. I, I, I hear you. I, I know. And I'm the same way. I'm like, uh, something ho- is holding me back from just diving in. But I I feel like, I'm like, who? Wait, I'm like, Carson Palmer's not playing, right? Like, he's out for the year. Like, what's, what's happening here? The Cardinals, they should have no business being road favorites, but coming off a bye. I feel like if there's going to be one game where these guys go all in for Bruce Arians, it might be this one. Coming, They're well-rested, coming off the bye. They come out like gangbusters. They get one more win, and then they lose out for the rest of the season. Can't you just see that? Can't you just look up on Sunday and see like Cardinals 30, Niners 13? Oh, totally. And you know, for all intents and purposes, one and a half points isn't a ton. If But if this were to maybe get up to two and a half or three, uh, then it would be it would be very interesting. You know, I mean, one and a half might as well just be, you have to win the fucking game. Um, but, uh, yeah, if this were to somehow creep up, um, it would, it would be, it would be an interesting one and, you know, may even be, uh, one of our top plays, uh, for the super contest this week. So that is a brief preview of the week to come. We'll have DFS picks for you on Thursday, looking at DraftKings. Hopefully Donnie can take advantage of one of his millionaire maker tickets that he's going to get for, chomping down that pizza be sure to look out for more content on gridirongamble.com including the moose of the week follow donnie on twitter at donnie underscore peters i'm at rich t ryan thanks for joining us on this tuesday hopefully there'll be some great news coming out more trades we shall see see you on thursday peace out